RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Dr. Emma Sanford is a doctor of integrative medicine, specializing in ophthalmology. So, Dr. Emma Sanford, welcome to our program. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Paul. Thanks ever so much for having me. Good okay. So where do we start with um, the eyes? I'll tell you my little story. My father has macular degeneration, and he's almost lost his sight. It's taken about 20 years. He plows on and uh, stays staunchly independent and seems to get by. I've often wondered what caused that. We haven't had any deep and meaningful conversations. I just assume it's some kind of genetic thing or or something. But um, in the time that we've been doing this program, it seems that a lot of <clears throat> a lot of arrows always point back to the same thing. So I'm curious, and so is our audience, to understand this, particularly this this case or this um, the issue of macular degeneration. So where do you want to start on that? Um, well, I wondered whether um, people would be interested in um, what it is, as far as what's actually going on in the eye. So. It's a disease of the outer part of the retina, which is the part of the eye that catches the light, transduces it into electricity and whizzes off the information down, down the optic nerve to the back of the brain, which is the eye right. center, visual yeah. center. Um, but it also involves the nutrient coat, the blood coat that supplies that. It's highly metabolically active, so it leads a lot of blood. And then there's a basement membrane and the retinal pigment epithelium between them that sort of does the go-between. So, oh, you want that? Okay, you want that. You would want that. I'll take that away. Um, so it's a disease of all of those three layers, really. Um, and the fundamental is that it's uh, a disease of oxidative stress. So this is, you know, we breathe oxygen to burn the fuel in our bodies on a cellular level. And, you know, the mop-up doesn't occur properly because we haven't got enough of the good stuff in our diets um, and we've got some stressors in our diet. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned um, genetics um, earlier. And yes, that does present an issue in a lot of diseases. And AMD, uh, you know, uh, does have some alleles associated with it. But you can offset that with um, managing your environmental factors like, um, you know, pesticides and, you know, additives and all the rest of it. But basically, the big one is making sure that you've got enough antioxidants in your diet. Okay. So, yeah. You know, and that sort of takes us back to, you know, the, the pathology is if you don't have those available, then these these oxygen molecules just run riot and, and literally oxidize your tissues. So it's like being cooked. So everything gets a little bit inflamed. And, you know, instead of taking the rubbish out once a week, the, the cells are only able to throw it out once a year and it all builds up and oh dear. gets yeah. pretty unhappy in there. Um, and then you start getting into a situation where the blood isn't able to deliver the oxygen food and it's not able to take away the waste. So you start getting emergency distress signals sent out. And that's when you start rolling into wet type macular degeneration because you've got these abnormal blood vessels growing and they leak and they bleed. They don't provide any more oxygen. They don't bring any more food. They don't take away any more waste. They're an absolute bane. Oh, dear. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Very, very damaging. And within yeah. a matter of months, people are in, you know, pretty bad state. Um, and this is becoming you know, much more common than it used to be. So the ophthalmoscope was invented in 1851. What, what is that, that piece of equipment? 
So that is, um, you know, like an otoscope that you look down kids' ears with. Yep. Most people will recognize what that looks like. It's about twice as big, and um, it's basically um, a torch and a magnifier so that you can look through the pupil at the back of the eye, at the, oh, left, I got you. At the vasculature. So you, you, you get a visual on the blood vessels of the body, um, and also you're, you're basically looking at part of the brain. So it's a, an amazing window. Oh, you're looking kind of straight in. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Geez. It's quite yeah. beautiful. Well, they say the eyes are the window to the soul, don't they? That's right. It is. But it's also the window to your vascular system. Right. You can look in there and go, oh, you're heading for trouble because, you know, you've got some coating on your arteries or you've already got some blockages in your veins or whatever. I've heard of that. I've heard of someone actually um, being, um, well, whoever looked in suspecting cancer and it turned out to be cancer mm. just from the eyes. Is that possible or was that just a... Yep. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. Think bowel cancer, as it, as it turned out. Anyway. Yeah, no, you can pick up metastases in the, usually in the choroid, which is the nutrient code. Yeah. So, um, you know, this okay. thing was, this piece of equipment was invented in 1851, and the first case of AMD wasn't reported until 23 years later. Okay. That gives yeah. you a little bit of a clue. So, you know, it was a rarity in the 1930s, but. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? That the, the so rare yeah it was a it was a real rarity until so that's a clue in of itself yes that's it because what else was going on at that point in history there was a massive change in the industrialization of people and how many people were living urban lives living on a, an, an altered diet a radically altered diet yeah um and leaving behind their traditional diets so by the time we hit the 70s, AMD was epidemic. And now in New Zealand, we're looking at one in seven people over 50 have got AMD. One in seven. Jeez, you got me worried. <laughs> well, that's dry type as well. Um, so it starts with these little pockets of waste tissue that are trapped um, in the retina. Um, and as that builds, you get an idea that you know, okay, we'll just see you in six months, see how you don't, I'll see you in a year. Oh, you've got some soft types, or this is looking a bit more dangerous. Maybe we just ought to do an angiogram, see if we can find these abnormal blood vessels, or just look at a grid, and when you get distorted lines, come and see us. Right, okay. But, you know, this this number constitutes about 150 to 200,000 people in New Zealand suffer from AMD, and that's more people than have got heart disease, and it's more people than have got breast cancer. It's really common. Okay, so what um, what do you notice in your site first up? Just do, do little bits disappear, or and parts of the picture altered? What do you get? Yeah, so um, with dry type, you may may be aware of um, larger drusen. So these are these sort of pockets of basically kitchen rubbish that hasn't been taken out. What so like um, a floating thing or something like that? No, it's actually in the membrane between the retina and its nutrient coat. Um, so instead of spitting it out into the circulation saying, here, I've dealt with this, spit that out, ready right. to go to liver yeah. for chomping up and, you know, get, getting rid of, it just sits there because the basement membrane is getting thick and gooey. It's full of, you know, advanced glycation end products, which is from excess sugars. 
in the, in the diet, attaching to your, literally attaching to your proteins and fat in your cell membranes and just slowing everything down. It's like having 20 dump trucks on state highway that have all broken down. It gets in everybody else's way. Yeah. Can't get to the landfill. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too much in there already. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's – and then that – you'd only notice those if you closed one eye uh, and and looked through one eye at a time. You know, this is an amazing thing where people go, I went blind in one – in overnight. No, mate, you didn't. It was happening such a long time, but you were getting used to it. You got two eyes and they your brain overlaps the two images to create a single image to give you depth perception. And it just happens to be that somebody woke up with their arm across their left eye or something and suddenly thought they were blind. Okay. And so you, you do get those odd stories. But, um, you know, when we've spotted um, these little Drusen, your optometrist as well, they are fabulous people for, you know, they're like primary care of the eye world. You know, they are so well-trained. They've got an excellent technique for examining everything. Say, so, right, well, we need to see you in another year. You better look at this Amsla grid. So you can have a look at those. You can download those from online. In fact, there's one on the um, MD Society of New Zealand web website. And then you just look at the little dot in the middle. And if your hatch lines are distorted or there's a bit missing, then you may have a you may have a problem. You may have a retinal problem. And this is okay. Yep. AMD to check their own progress. And if they ever get an area of distortion, you know, then they come into the clinic or go back to their optometrist. PDQ and, um, you know, get referred. Okay. Is there a, a relationship at all with glaucoma? Because that's something that I'm also aware of because it is in our family and mm. it's affected a few members of the family, some, you know, to a, a level of, you know, not quite disability, but getting up there. Mm. So is there a relationship between the two? Just curious. There is not a causal relationship, but there is association with what's caused it. And that's back to the diet. Right. So, you know, glaucoma is on our very long list of modern Western diseases associated with the modern Western diet. Yeah. And and that's what I alluded to at the start, where all sort of arrows point kind of back to the same place. <laughs> the same smoking bread roll. <laughs> yeah. They do, though, don't they? They do. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, this is why it's really, I feel as though it's exciting to be able to take that bird's eye really bird's eye perspective and and start seeing patterns and um connecting some dots yeah. it's great looking at the details of these things and you know we've got some incredible researchers we've got some amazing clinicians but you get lost in a little silo and you think that um you know the world is your dog that the flea sits on you don't get an idea that you're a flea on a dog on a planet in whizzing around a universe yeah that's right yeah you know so, yeah, so uh, there's a bigger picture that's you're too far down in the weeds. You're not going to mm. see that. So um, I think that you will probably tell us that there is an incredible body of um, data, research, information, all peer reviewed up the yin yang, whatever they say, yeah. that um, will will you know, clearly show how this works. Let yeah. Me put that way. But it, it kind of isn't well, in the mainstream of eye medicine um, yeah this is i mean you know i've talked at the ocular therapeutics conference and i have you know discussed this with many um of my colleagues and you know there are many of us who are of you know maybe it's of an age or an era i don't know 
But, you know, we are starting to connect the dots. Um, but, you know, there are lots of clinicians and researchers around the world. So interestingly, in 2018, Swiss Re, which is a reinsurance company, so they insure the insurers. Right, yep. So they thought, hang on a minute, we can see patterns here. Why can't you guys, can we just have a bit of a symposium and get all you nutritionists and you clinical scientists and you boffins over there and, you know, you microbiologists over here or whatever to come in and discuss what the heck is a good diet? And, you know, there wasn't fine print consensus, but there was a lot of broad consensus. Um, and interestingly, I heard a tidbit that Swiss Re already had an idea of what was going to transpire because they only served cream to whiten your coffee. They didn't put milk out. So they already had an inkling that the people who were on a high good fat diet and, and weren't overdosing on the omega-6 polyunsaturated um, fatty acids that mm. are in our polyunsaturated vegetable oils, which are highly oxidizable, by the way, highly unstable. They go rancid really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. And what does that tell you about what happens in a body that's breathing in, sucking in oxygen and burning it at a rate of knots every day? Yeah, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're going out of balance. And this is one of the features that I find really interesting about the modern diet versus the traditional diet. Any traditional diet is that traditional diets tend to be much higher in fat full stop. So you're running at anywhere from 60 to 80% of your calories coming from fat versus the new guidelines, which including in New Zealand, say anywhere from 40 to 60 should be carbohydrates. And we're all swimming in this soup of omega-6 fatty acids and massively skewing our diet from being one-to-one -one with omega-3, which I think most people are, understand or recognize the words of that being associated with fish oils and being anti-inflammatory, really good for your heart, really good for your brain, really good for your health, really good yeah. for your osteoarthritis of your knee, really good for AMD, by the way, strangely. Well, so we're putting not really. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a universal benefit, isn't it, to all? Uh, it, it would be logical to say that most systems of the body would have similar processes, similar chemistry ways of of dealing things i mean every branch of the body probably came from something a lot more simple way back in evolution so it stands to reason it's interesting talking about diet and how we used to live and how we used to eat because it wasn't as if people knew at the time well i better eat right because i don't want that macular degeneration or i don't want this or i don't want that hmm. it, it um what is the chicken what is the egg there is it is it is it a naturally sort of evolving um, thing, um, evolving with a lifestyle over a huge um, period of time, um, or is it uh, you know people willfully or or knowing somehow what is best to eat, you know what what the best diet is? It, it's an interesting one. What's the chicken? What's the egg? Well, I, I I find this interesting as well. I mean, you know, post World War Two, we we had a food supply problem, and it was a matter of getting energy into the populace easily, quickly, cheaply, that it was it was shelf stable and it it was storable, which yeah. you know is is great for wheat and some polyunsaturated oils that can be stored or sugar. So 
you know, I can understand where it came from. But of course, it started back, you know, in the in the 1930s. And of course, it's not that long ago. No, no, it isn't. Weston A. Price was a dentist around that time, yeah, an American that. dentist. Yeah, yeah. And he thought, hold up, what on earth is going on? My patients are suddenly coming in with, you know, dental issues that I've never seen before. I've never seen such, you know, decay and crooked teeth. And so he thought, right, I'm going on an epic journey. And that's what he did. He travelled the world, including to New Zealand. He thought that Māori were the most magnificent creatures. A, a, a traditionally fed Māori was the most magnificent. Well, like a great physical specimen. A great physical Absolutely. specimen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. good grief. They really, really are. Um, and he was noticing those changes um, within a very short space of time, like a generation. And a generation. So he was straddling the line between the old. That's right. And the new, and he saw the change. He actually saw it. He saw it in his dentist chair. He saw the the change, the, not just the crowding, but the change in the shape of the skull, not only in the facial skull, which oh. is the lower part of the skull, but the upper part of the skull. And he started to recognize that I feel that there's something to do with mental health in there as well. So he started to branch into that. And, you know, this is, where we've gone, you know, as far as Parkinson's, autoimmune disease, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, these are all modern diseases, but they're only modern in the modern Western world. You know, we we sort of followed that industrial revolution. Um, you know, Sweden brought out the first dietary guidelines in 74, um, and that was all about on the base of affordability. Um, the U.S. brought out the another of their own food pyramid um, in 92. Um, and even then, you know, they were being accused of, and this is from the Department of Agriculture, by the way, not by the Department of Health. And they were accused at the time by saying, hey, wait a minute, why are you favouring wheat and corn and soy? What about vegetables and beef? And the answer to that is because it was easier to feed cities of millions of people. Was it um, that way? You talk about energy. I think and... industrialization and being so far away from supply, you know, yeah. supply chain issues and, you know, freshness. But, you know, perhaps there was some food lobby in there as well. I don't know. I wasn't there. Forcing the function. Yeah. People yeah. who have written on the subject are commenting on that point. Yeah. But also, um, if you're following the money, the more ailments that are available, the more chronic conditions, the more, this is the very cynical in me, says the more opportunities there are to for the industrial medical complex to, to feed off that. If, I mean, if, if you've got too many healthy people, income yeah. is affected, right? Or am yeah. I missing something? <laughs> no, I mean, I've said before, you know, happy, healthy people don't make anybody any money. And, you know, happy, healthy people are resilient people. They're self-reliant people. Yeah. Um, and you, when you're sick and you depend on anything, you know, I mean, depending on your insulin, um, depending on your thyroid hormone, you know, it's a dependence. So there's a vulnerability. Yeah. And the In visit to the doctor is a reassuring thing. It's like a... You know, it makes you feel comfortable and less anxious, maybe. Mm. 
Yeah, and there's a lot to be said for modern medicine. It, my goodness, it's incredibly powerful. It has its place. Um, but I feel as though we've got some blinkers on. You know, our GPs are overworked. They are put under enormous pressure in 15-minute consults. They haven't got time to look at the big picture, or at least they've been trained to believe they don't have time to take the bigger picture. Yeah, and uh, I imagine that a lot of them don't see people getting well, mm. despite what they do. Maybe the symptoms are relieved, but actually being cured, getting well, does that yeah. actually happen? <laughs> well, that was one of the things that really drew me. It, it encouraged me to do my um, naturopathy degree because, you know, I was working in an eye clinic. We were, I was seeing a lot of diabetics, you know, doing laser over and over again for the same people because they weren't getting on top of their diabetes. And as far as I could see that they were being led down an ever decreasing circle by the advice that was given by the dietary guidelines, you know, their medicines, you know, diabetic medicines are great in their place alongside diet and lifestyle. But if you rely on them alone, I mean, I've asked umpteen people, did you find that you started putting weight on once you started on your meds? And they said, yes. And that's not a surprise because insulin is an anabolic hormone. Yeah. Insulin yeah. doesn't just drive your glucose into your cells. Um, it also is a, a hormone that responds to certain amino acids. So you're on a high protein diet, you know, when you're growing and you want to get buff and you eat lots of steak and you're pushing your weights that's your anabolic side of things because yeah. your insulin handles those as well. But, you know, when you're older, when you've stopped growing, that anabolism goes into fat storage and the fat storage makes your insulin resistance worse, which makes your diabetes worse and it becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah, I was seeing that we weren't interrupting that cycle by giving people the knowledge, the support, the advice, the empowerment really. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, I I just know that we can do better than this. Well, you must have seen some people cured, right, of things, fixed of things. Yeah. Rather than having to always come back with the same nagging issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There was one guy I remember, I talked to him about his diabetes. Um, and I said, right, well, every time you eat potatoes, pasta, rice, bread, it turns to sugar in your gut. You know, this whole complex carbohydrate um, advice that we give, it still turns to sugar in the gut. So your body can't handle sugar, right? Okay, so why not run your metabolism on fat and vegetables and good quality protein, good, good fats? You know, that's the big, big caveat. And I said, otherwise, I'm going to be the next laser. There's not going to be enough room. And then it's surgery. And then it's, you know. You know, it depends on you. If your diabetes continues out of control, then, you know, you're headed into a dark room. And yeah. he left the room and he looked back at me. And there was kind of like a look in his face, like, I think you've just saved my life. And I thought, hmm, I think I have actually. Yeah. Well. Because I just invited him to walk through a different door. I just gave him that opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, I feel as though he was like, hmm. Okay, I'll do that then. Wow. And it was amazing. 
It really was a privilege. And so the eyes, um, if I suspected that um, something was up, you, you sort of described that how those symptoms might be at the start there. How much time have I got to pull back from the brink of a serious loss of sight? I say to my patients, it's never too late, ever. Right. doesn't matter you've got terminal cancer, terminal, and I'm doing the couple quotation marks, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we've all heard of, I mean, there's a book written about it, right? Radical remission, right? Yeah, we've talked um, about that, actually. There's, yeah. yeah, I think I've heard it a couple of times on your program. But, you know, it is never too late. And is it too late on a physical, emotional, spiritual? No, ever, never. But if you're asking about... Um, um amd yeah if you caught this at the first signs of the dry drusen absolutely by a by a change in your diet and lifestyle i mean smoking cessation for instance will reduce your risk of developing amd in the first place up to 45 percent. i mean that's huge that's a massive that is huge it's massive, massive oxidant load i mean there are five thousand odd chemicals in your average little white puffer stick yeah and who knows what's declared in the vapes? I was just about to ask you. No, I so I see so many people vaping. Yeah. No, I'm really um, perturbed how quickly those have come to market and gained public uh, acceptance. Yeah. Um, and there didn't seem to be much of a pause button hit on the basis of, oh, hold up, let's just do a bit more research. You know, any drug takes about 10 years to bring to market. It's a disciplined, slow process. I mean, the speed of science is the speed of that tortoise. Yeah. yeah he's probably carrying the hair and yeah. he's probably got one hand behind his back. Yeah. That's the speed of science. And stops every now and then. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And changes direction and all the rest of it. It's a huge discipline. It's huge. But vapes seem to arrive overnight and then everybody had one. And, you know, I've got um, doctor friends who are, you know, seeing teens and doing x-rays and they've got a whiteout lung field because they've got pneumonitis. They've got well, What does that mean exactly? What does that mean exactly? So it's inflammation of the lung tissue. Right. So the bit that actually exchanges oxygen and gets rid of CO2 for you. Oh, dear. Inflamed. It's really inflamed and it's it's full of fluid and inflammation. So we don't know what effect that's having, but we can suspect that it's it's doing something. That's right. I, I feel as though perhaps it hasn't been um, as fully researched as any other drug that's brought to market. And, you know, it is a drug. It's being used as a drug, I should say. Well, it is a drug because a lot of the products that have nicotine in a lot of the vaping uh, mixtures or whatever you call them, flavors. The other thing is um, they're on all the time. Mm. It's like having a continuous cigarette going all the time that yeah. never stops, like an endless chain-smoking situation, from my observation anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's. Um, I mean, you know, everybody will use them how they um, see fit. But, you know, on the plus side, you're not taking in burnt organic matter. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah. You know, which yeah. is the carbon side of it. You know, the black the black lungs on the on the yeah. uh, post mortem table. Yeah. But you know, um, nicotine isn't just about and tobacco isn't just about nicotine. You know, it's um. It's, yeah. We've been smoking nicotine or oh, tobacco, I should say, sorry, for tens of thousands of years since Adam was a lad. 
Yeah. Um, it's yeah. only recently that we've added the 5,000 chemicals, including oh, that's interesting. formaldehyde, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that has perhaps made it some into something else. Um, so that's, and like yeah. I say, goodness knows what's in the vape machines. So that's a huge reduction, just not smoking. But then you're into to the diet territory we're talking now. So uh, I guess we're talking about people kind of over 50, if we're trying to um, give some good advice to people listening now, that sets in. Um, we've talked about reversal with uh, Glenn Davies. So there's a reversal process that you can, if you're early enough, that you can set in place and, and you'll get a result. Yes, you can absolutely change your trajectory. 100%. I mean, that's more powerful than the genes because you give your genes a good environment to live in, then they behave themselves. If you stress them, they will not behave themselves and they'll bite you in the bum. What if you've got some damage, but you sort of correct in that way? Will will the body systems, you know, clean up the mess? Yes. Yes. It'll take time, but yes. And what you want to do is pull it back before you get to being wet type macular degeneration, because that's, that's, you know, that's when you, I was talking about the Amsler grid and you get the distortion in the lines. That's because those abnormal blood vessels are now gone rogue. So they are leaking plasma, which is the liquid part of your blood retaining the cellular part. Um, But they're also really fragile. So they bleed really easily. And that can be catastrophic for vision. That can yeah. that can be an overnight lights are out in the middle of your vision. You'll still have the outside part. Yeah. Um, but the fluid, you know, that's a real nemesis as well. And that's why we give the injections into the eyeball. So those switch off those distress signals. But you still got the landscape of I haven't got enough blood supply. I've got a thick basement membrane. I can't get the goodies in, in through and, and my baddies out of. Please fix the problem. So that's where the diet comes in. So you can, you know, the body overturns itself in seven years. So it's so it's said. And the more metabolically active your tissue that you're lo- looking at, which is the eyes are very metabolically active, just like the brain is, um, you know, the higher your turnover. So, you know, we know from studies that omega-3 supplementation alone reduces your risk and reverses AMD. So if you were to do all of the the, the advice as far as, you know, a traditional diet with lots of omega-3, drop back on your omega-6, you're polyunsaturated, like your sunflower oil, for instance, linoleic acid, highly highly inflammatory. If you went to a low carbohydrate, high um, good fat diet, um, which is pulling in fat-soluble vitamins, and every single one of those fat-soluble vitamins is an antioxidant. Mm. And that is what the Western diet is lacking. Two billion people suffer from micronutrient malnutrition. So you might be really fat, so you're overfed, but you're undernourished. That's a very big difference. It's hard to get your head around that. Mm. Because um, at surface level, you'd think that person's not undernourished. Yeah, but they (laughs) are. Yeah. They are malnourished. Mal, yeah, mal. Probably yeah. would be a better. But malnourished is usually, you know, um, somebody in Africa who's emaciated. Exactly. Ribs no, are showing and everything. No. This, this works for, um, you know, fat white people as well. Boy, we've got it so messed up, haven't we? Jeez. Mm. Yeah, we've definitely got the boat on the wrong foot, I think. 
change has got to come as the song goes. So, yeah. so okay, once it's really set in, and I'm thinking of my dad now, it's probably mm-hmm. too late for him, and he's, you know, he's 90 and, and, and getting on. That's it. It's the door closes at some point and it's all over. You can't kind of walk it back or, or can you? Maybe? Um, yes. I mean, even with um, the best of medical care at the bottom of the cliff with the yeah. injections, um, which can keep people seeing for years, um, you can get catastrophic bleeds and people will be ringing up saying, you know, it's all gone. Can I come in? Oh, OK, well, we can fit you in in three weeks. Oh, you've had a bleed. OK, we need to do some surgery or we'll have to let it clear and see what what goes on after that you know some people the blood will just clear and other people they go into a massive scarring response and then you've got a great fat scar at the back of the eye and that's it the fat lady's sung okay and there's no coming back with any dietary change by that point it's yeah that's that's definitely you you're you're, yeah you're at the last chance saloon and you've you've blown it okay all right. Well, I think we've got oh, a pretty. Well, I mean, I, the caveat yeah. to that, I beg your pardon. I don't. I don't ever wish to um, uh, serve up um, hopelessness. Yeah, because, fair enough. You know, there yeah. are some magical surgery going on where you know they've done um, implants and then a you know a little box on the outside of your head. You know, like they do cochlear implants. Yeah. You see yep. people with a little um, thing attached to their the bone at the back of their ear. So you can get similar things for the retina. So that was, um, wow, I went to a conference at Moorfields actually, blimey, over 20 years ago, and they were talking about that. Um, and I know that that research has gone ahead. And then, you know, there's, there's um, you know, stem cells and all the rest of it. So that's connecting like a um, an electronic device or a digital mm. device or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, interfacing it with your sort of biological mm. sight system. Yeah, that's right. Wow, okay. Yeah. And somehow the body learns how to drive it. <laughs> yes, that's right. We are beautifully adaptive. Yeah, we even to machinery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were talking earlier about, um, you know, my friend who was um, ostensibly blind by the time he was 25. He's now in his late 70s. He's an artist, um, a potter. And you would never know. Honestly, I've nearly let him walk over my dog or walk into my dog, forgetting that he was blind because you would just never know, not even in his own environment. You know, I see him in town and, um, you know, he gets up at weddings and dances. It's just extraordinary. So we are incredibly adaptive. The um, the other senses would become more tuned, wouldn't they? They'd have to yeah. be. And Yeah, very much. Yeah, like hearing and, and smell and, and just feeling mm. things yeah and yeah, think, creating that 3d environment around you using those senses it's quite a, extraordinary and imagining it i suppose having mm. some sort of even though you can't see some sort of visualization mm. um here's a question people who are blind do they still see in dreams i've always wanted to know um have I you think, had anyone tell you about that um not so much but i believe that they do especially if they've not been blind at, at birth right Okay. Um, I think um, they they might lack the language or the expressions to differentiate. Yeah, but they do get a visual experience, let's say, in that. Um, yeah, I believe so. Rather than just all, all you know, lights out all the time. Mm, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so um, have we? I mean, we've sort of been around about a bit, but uh, and I hope I haven't jumped around too much. But no, it's um, been great. What 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 are the really key things then that that folk need to know? 
first of all, to stay ahead of this, because it's the main thing, right? You've got to stay ahead of these things. Absolutely. That's all you've got to do, right? Yeah, someone told me the other <laughs> it's day. It's just that, a game. you just got to beat the curve. Yeah, you stay, <laughs> stay a couple of decades a- ahead of the disease process, I heard someone say recently, That's is it. the aim if you want to have, well, yeah, long life, but a healthy long Long life, and that so. goes for everything. You know, it's yep. there are plenty of people who are living successfully with cancer rather than dying of it. And there's a there's a big difference psychologically, spiritually, and physically to to that. So yeah. you know, no no um, diagnosis should be or, or or has to be if you choose a death sentence. You can go right, okay. Well, what can I do? And there's plenty you can do. I mean, you know, we've talked about this massive body of evidence that yeah. AMD is a diet and lifestyle disease. Yeah. It's a diet and lifestyle disease. Not yeah, complicated. Alleles. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So it is fairly simple, but, you know, changing your diet and lifestyle, particularly what you eat, particularly if you've eaten a particular way for a long time, like one of my patients, he was um, type 2 diabetic since age 16. I Jeez. saw him at about yeah. 32, I think he was, when he came to me. And he said, well, you know, it was just the household I grew up in. If there wasn't bread in the fridge, there was no food in the fridge. There was no food in the house. As kids, we used to pile in the bread. Mm. You know, when I think about it now, oh, oh. You know. Yeah, that's it. So it's remained a staple. And it was crappy bread, too. It was that horrible white stuff, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I meant to. No, 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 not at all. Um, it's 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 all um, it's all a fantastic conversation about you know the different um, perspectives um, and you know you know people say to me well I've got a good diet you know uh, and I say okay you know what what do you eat and I say okay give me five breakfast menus five lunch menus and five dinner menus and you know what there'll be wheat 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 in all three yeah. meals yeah. and it's usually in the form of bread so they have toast and something for breakfast they might have something on toast or asani for for lunch and and you know it's it's not easy and coaching people into these lifestyle changes i mean glenn will tell you the same thing you know it's making and breaking new habits so in in the world of psychology it takes two weeks to break a habit so they say but it okay. also takes two weeks to make a new habit but once you've got over the hump then it it hopefully gets a little easier and then, so I say, okay, well, I'll give them some menu ideas about, okay, well, what about um, poached eggs on avocado and some steamed broccoli in the morning? And add yourself a knob of butter on top of that. And then for lunch, you know, forget about the bread and just take out what's in it, triple it, in fact, quadruple it as far yeah. as the salad's concerned, yeah. have a modest piece of protein, drizzle it liberally with olive oil, put some nuts and seeds on the top, got yourself a really satisfying, satiating meal, instead of being frankly hungry an hour and a half later because your blood sugars have first spiked, then dropped because your insulin has followed the trying to pick up the carnage, spiked, and then then you become hungry again because your blood sugar's dropped, not because you're actually needing more food or that your stomach is empty, but because your blood sugar has crashed. Yeah. So instead of going through this yo-yo all day and eating six times a day, eat good, solid meals, give your guts a rest, give your liver a rest, make sure that you have plenty of fat with all of your above-ground vegetables so that you can absorb those fat-soluble vitamins, so that you can absorb all those phytonutrients. There are tens of thousands of phytonutrients that our body needs, and that's 
basically that's another word for any chemical that's in a plant that doesn't fall into the vitamin class or the mineral class or well, the mineral the mineral but you know they are innumerable they have so many different functions so when we see people with amd we say okay take the a reds formula it's got lutein in it it's got this and that and it's got the zinc and you know these are all antioxidant things but you know um lots of studies have looked at that going okay well if somebody's got a good diet to begin with do they need the supplements no great i've just right. saved you a dollar a day on that yeah. spend your dollar a day on another piece of broccoli yeah um so you know you just try and help people visualize what that looks like because a lot of people will say to me well what do i eat okay well just take out the bread or you know the pasta and the potatoes the bread's been sold to us so well hasn't it it's been sold into people's thinking in everyday life yeah that's it and i have nothing against a great loaf of bread i mean you know how do you sell a house you grind coffee and you bake bread right yeah 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 and it smells beautiful but you're going to need one piece a day really that's what I've heard. I think that's what Glenn said. Yeah, Your body's absolutely. designed only really to deal with about the equivalent of one slice of bread a day. Yeah, and that's a slice of Vogels, which is really titchy. Yeah. So, you know, I told you about um, Sweden bringing out the first dietary guidelines in 74. They've, mm. they have, um, they've redeemed themselves. Okay. Because well. in 2018, they reviewed those said dietary guidelines and they, in fact, have said, um, a woman at least, I think, um, I can't remember what the man was. I think he was 90 grams. Their recommendation for total daily carbohydrate intake is 75 grams. That constitutes a small banana or one piece of small vogels. Yeah, there you and that's, go. T- that's forgetting all your carrots, zucchini, Almonds, you know, there are certain nuts with high carbohydrate content and others with lower, like Brazil nuts. There are vegetables with high carbohydrate content, like zucchini, sweet corn, peas, uh, bell peppers, and those with your lower carbohydrate, you know, lettuce, broccoli, cabbage, etc. So 75 grams, that's not a lot. And, you know, they've upped the fat and, you know, agreed that, you know, good fats are good. And bad fats. Well, good on the Swedish then for, mm-hmm. I mean, they first ABBA and now this. Yeah. <laughs> and Volvos. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, lots of wonderful things, but unfortunately yeah. it's been kept rather quiet. Okay. Well, that's the, the, back to the back to the business model thing here. We could be, you know, go around in circles with that one. Yeah. Quite so much. Dr. Emma Sanford, it's been really great chatting with you. Thanks for coming on our program. If people want to get in touch, what's the best way to get to connect with you? Um, well, I have a website, um, which is called Nourishing Life. Okay, and then um, go there and all the contact deets are there, I take it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, obviously my first love is ophthalmology. Um, I trained yeah. in ophthalmology. I'm a fellow of the Royal College of Ophthalmologists. Cool. Um, but, you know, I I basically have a passion for for human health and vibrancy and just living your best life in the best body that you can. Um and you know it's and that that's the name of the business you know nourishing nourishing eyes by nourishing life it's all in the name eyes live in that beautiful body of yours so let's look after your whole body fix quite a few things let's tick a few things off that list and we'll all be humming like a nut rcr with paul brennan reality check radio